Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain, aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 35. Ioni gives Keltham the spell list. I lost track of time while listing all the firsts and seconds, and so there's fewer thirds and fourths, Ioni confesses. I could probably generate more if you gave me more time. Keltham gives Ioni a smile of this, hopefully being good enough, since he forgot that Ioni wouldn't understand him unless he fetches security again, and heads back to his room. Those spells, huh? Those sure are some spells. Orosite is on the list, but not Invisibility Purge. Glimpse of Beyond, but not Spell Immunity. If they'd had all the spells he knew about, but no new especially interesting ones, that would indicate that they were being first-order blatant about telling Ioni what to include or exclude. If they'd omitted Orosite too, that might mean somebody didn't update Ioni about the new list of what not to tell Keltham. This pattern indicates either nothing much, or that they're able to do basic damn reflection about what Keltham is likely to think of things, and avoided there being any blatant pattern in the spell list, so it would mean nothing much. Anyways, he needs to pick his spell request pattern for tomorrow morning and then sleep. There were probably other things he told himself to review today, but he is feeling a bit worn, and not necessarily up for trying to remember what they all were. Hopefully they'll keep. Today he got four cantrips, Six first circle, four second circle, three third circle, two fourth circle spells. Keltham should not assume his god can do that every time, so leave some headway at each level. He wants guidance and detect magic among cantrips. If he had to pick spells on his own, he'd want at least one truth spell and at least one comprehend languages. Owl's wisdom seems important to have in reserve for real emergencies, however dangerous it may be to Dathalani who didn't want to be keepers, and you could say the same about invisibility purge. By default, he's got the truth spell and sanctuary to keep overnight, possibly cutting down expenses to his god some little bit. Are there any spells here that form useful mnemonic patterns with his questions and answers? Though he should maybe also try to pick spells that his god wouldn't try to urgently assign him for other reasons, and he needs to pick spells where he can see what they do, upon a cast, and without those spells harming the target. Oh, huh, Keltham thinks, as he starts poking through the list for something weird enough that there's no way his god would assign it, unless the communications channel worked. Early judgment. Give someone a glimpse of their currently destined afterlife. Now there's a spell he wouldn't have expected Keliax to show him if they were really trying to prevent him from figuring out his god, or for that matter, afterlives. Can he use that to see somebody else's destined afterlife too, and determine their real alignment even if they're not third circle? That definitely goes on the list, not as a code, just as a default request. At this point, Keltham's translation spell runs out, but somebody is timing things pretty well, and somebody arrives back to cast share language, Taldane, on him again. Lay of the Land, second, grants instant knowledge of the surrounding lands. It sounds like an unambiguously interpretable spell to cast, and Keltham is unlikely to need it otherwise. Could be used to signal this worked at all, or to signal flee with Carissa. Semantically, it's a better fit for the second. Stone Shape, third, clearly interpretable unlikely to be given otherwise. Mnemonically, it could mean 4.1, show them how to make things. At third circle, it's expensive, though. Create food and water, third again. Unmistakable effect, mnemonically fits both 4.1 industrialize and 5.1 flea. He needs to look at cheaper spells, though. Okay, obscuring mist, first, has unmistakable effect, and would have been an obvious fit for this channel is noisy. 
but Keltham eliminated that answer spell, leaving only, This channel is clear. It also works for immediately fleeing with Carissa. Silly spells for silly adventurers. Everything's going to look like it was designed for fleeing with Carissa. Air bubble. First. Probably not something his god would need to assign him otherwise. If he resolves not to do any chemistry experiments today, clearly visible effect, and it can stand for, this channel is clear. 3.1 or 1.1. Light uses up a relatively precious cantrip slot, but it sure is unmistakable. Another good fit for several different possible mnemonics, hopefully not one his god would otherwise assign him. Create water, likewise uses up a cantrip slot, but is unmistakable and could mean this channel is cheap because water is cheap. Do they seriously mean create water and not just teleport it in, by the way? Because then why can't you also create very large amounts of energy? E squared equal sign P2C squared plus M circumflex 2C circumflex 4 and all that. Oh, lighten object first, would also do to convey that things weren't expensive. Share language second, would correspond very well to teach them. But it's also something a helpful deaf god might assign, if it thought that a student being able to hear a lecture in baseline might be helpful to them. Silence, second, and silent table, second, are unmistakable and could mean some things, and silent table sounds less like it might be granted by a god that thought Keltham needed to flee. 2nd circle is still expensive compared to first. Oh, and read weather is first, and sounds unmistakable and otherwise improbable to get, even if it doesn't mean much. At this point, Keltham is ready to compromise on some meanings. So, attempted code, V1, 1.1, read weather, first. This channel works at all, and can tell you things like the weather. 2.1 lighten object, first. This channel doesn't cost much. 3.1 air bubble, first. This channel is clear. That uses up all his first slots if he keeps sanctuary and a truth spell, and requests a new comprehend languages. Wait, didn't he want to keep one one saint circle slot clear in case his god can't assign him six first-level spells every day? Well, it's probably a little safer if he's keeping some of his old spells, hopefully. He may not have better options. In second, he already has a request for early judgment and emergency owl's wisdom, four slots total of which he should leave one free, and 5.1, lay of the land, second, run. Okay, so instead of using expensive three RDs, what if on the topic of whether to speak freely or stall? 4.1. Light. Zeroth. Shed light on their ignorance. 4.2. Create water. Zeroth. Stall with a great volume of cheap stuff. Those are alternates, so they only use up one cantrip slot, leaving the other two free for guidance and detect magic, and the fourth for his god's choice, or empty because his god strained itself to give him so many spells before. And then when it comes to third and fourth, he could mostly leave that up to his god. But if his god wants any suggestions, Keltham will go on invisibility purge for third, and he doesn't really have much he wants in fourth. Well, he could ask for tongues and use that to free up the valuable one saint-level slot occupied by comprehend languages. Actually, can clerics request lower-level spells and higher spell slots? That would make his life noticeably simpler in this regard, and save his god money. Keltham should have asked this question earlier. Keltham starts to stand up, to go outside and call security to ask this question, but then it occurs to him to try a different experiment. Just in case, you know. Security, Keltham says to the empty room, not particularly loudly. On recently communicated orders, security is to be behind a wall from Keltham at all times it's feasible. They can keep a closer eye with a scrying sensor. This summons is not answered. Keltham steps outside his bedroom and again tries the security call. Security goes visible this time within his field of view, taking off a ring. 
Wait, the reason I never see you guys until called is that you're also invisible? Yes. You know, I'm going to ask explicitly, because I'm confused, if the idea here is that you were trying to hide the concept of invisibility generally from me, and that didn't work. So now you think there's no more point in hiding it, or hiding the fact that you were hiding it, or if I reacted to that earlier incident in a way you considered weird, and like you didn't understand why I was so offended, and now you're trying to be more explicit about something you thought was innocuous, or... what? Security is invisible when our visible presence has not been requested because should anyone attempt to attack you, knowing our positions and numbers would advantage them over knowing we're around but not where. Security is trained to activate or deactivate magic items while alone where possible, emerging only once not occupied with activation or deactivation. Guidelines were recently updated to note that you prefer persons in a room with you not be invisible and that this ought to take precedence over the rule not to activate or deactivate magic items in company, barring a time-pressured or dangerous situation. Legit. Maybe when I get more used to Galarian local customs that'll change. But yeah, I currently prefer you be visible around me for now in non-emergency situations. Thank you for considerateness. My question was going to be, if you happen to know, whether clerics always get the same number of spells of each circle every day, and whether they can request lower circle spells to fill up a higher circle slot, if they'd rather have the lower one. The same number and circle distribution of spells are typically granted to a cleric each day. You can request lower circle spells in a higher circle slot. Thank you very much for that information. And just to be very clear on my general policy, if security accommodating my weird preferences means I'm probably going to die, please have an explicit conversation with me about that, instead of doing it my way. Keltham heads back to his bedroom. So, if his god doesn't have anything better to do with them, maybe use one-third slot and one-fourth slot on an additional owl's wisdom to potentially tap a student with, and an additional early judgment to see if he can look at somebody else's current afterlife destination with it. And that's a plan for prayer tomorrow. Keltham tucks himself into what passes for a bed in Galarian. Good night, Chiliax. Zonkuthon cultists don't attack in the middle of the night yet, growth mindset. Who is this? Before dawn, a mysterious and unnaturally beautiful woman steps, without any sound whatsoever, into Carissa Savar's bedroom. If you were to trust your eyes looking at her, she would look like a very high-level Asmodine fighter, with obviously magical armor and arms decorated in barbs, spikes, stylized flames. She lights a black candle that burns with a dark crimson flame, and then speaks. Carissa Saver startles awake like someone who startles awake a lot. She doesn't sleep clothed in cheliacs. Her sleep clothes are for the world wound and far too warm. However, she thinks that's not at the top of the priority list here. Yes, she says, because anyone in here has the security clearance to know that, surely. I am a high-ranking noble who chooses not to identify herself, for now. A playful smile backed with such vast splendor that even Sevar is going to feel, very briefly, like she is really being invited to some harmless pleasant game. I'm wondering whether you'd be interested in overthrowing the Queen of Cheliax. Oh, and your little security wizards won't think there's anything unusual about our conversation while that black candle burns. Carissa wants to be that pretty and to have a voice that rings that confidently and to have lips that move that seductively and to survive the next hour. Let's do that one first. 
It's a test. Obviously, it's a test. But there are all kinds of things one tests for. Loyalty. The willingness to say, I serve my queen even when it's a losing move in the moment. Theological purity. Going through the right mental motions on your way to the truth. Strategic competence where one gets to contemplate considerations like how, if this is real, immediately angering the powerful stranger is a poor path to protecting the queen or the country. I serve Asmodeus, she says, and bites her tongue, hard, so erasing her memory of this conversation will also require healing her, and there's still the hope of recognizing the taste of blood in her mouth. Oh, absolutely. That's rather the point, dear. The current queen has a pact with Asmodeus. The queen is not Asmodeus's servant. The compact between the thrice-damned house of Thrun and Asmodeus himself specifies that he is not to punish them in hell for presuming to pursue their own interests as well as his, in this world. Now, somebody truly loyal to Asmodeus, someone who Asmodeus deemed worthy even of his explicit notice, to be someday among the most treasured souls in his possession might, perhaps, think it was presumptuous for the Thrones to dare to bargain so with our God, as if the Thrones were only his juniors and not his servants, or simply believe that it served Asmodeus better to have a queen who was his slave in truth. Carissa does not understand Aspexia Rugaton, but she's met her, and so she has a fraction more context with which to reject this than she would have had yesterday, when she would have rejected it on general principle. You do not serve a god by giving his interventions unexpected effects. So that's the question answered, but not the strategic situation at all resolved. Only in tests for five-year-olds do you win by defiantly screaming the truth for all the world to hear. And the church and queen do diverge sometimes. Mayal's story about the slave implied it, and it's possible this is a test from a different angle than Aspexia Rugaton's. The first priority is to survive it, then to report it, then to seek correction in any mistaken details of her understanding of precisely why you do not overthrow the Queen of Cheliacs. I presume myself to understand nothing about the Queen, or her house, or any matters in which I have not been directed, she says. But I was directed that if I serve Asmodeus in this world, I will be raised high in it and so I will listen to your explanation. I assume you have more of one. How could she possibly win this? She hasn't prepared her spells yet. She isn't sure if she'll get enough sleep tonight to prepare her spells. One should, of course, die for their country as needed, but if there's a plot against the queen, it is better to live to report it. She can try talking her way into getting more time unsupervised, but that kind of splendor usually comes with excellent interpersonal reading, and she shouldn't count on it. Can she cancel the candle? Quietly trigger a ward. Dear, I have the transcript of your conversation with Hell, and not from the Grand High Priestess, either. A playfully raised eyebrow. You asked for a county, I believe? That doesn't sound to me like a meek little unambitious thing who knows nothing about any matters in which she hasn't been directed. Do discard that pretense. What do you want from your mortal life, Carissa Savar, besides a county and a crafting allowance? Do your ambitions lead you to want a more Asmodean rule of this country for you to be raised high in? 
Would you take the throne yourself if you could? If your answer is that Asmodeus would hold either ambition against you, I'd like to hear your explanation of the theology behind that. The church doesn't teach that her infernal magistrix is a poor Asmodean for having presumed to murder her predecessor in Frexus. On paper, in Frexus I accidentally drowned, for a seventh circle sorcerer to accidentally drown, and then for Cheliax to accidentally forget they had any clerics who could resurrect him, is the sort of story you put in the official history books when you actually don't want people getting confused about what really happened. Disrupting the candle seems doable, but if the woman's smart, the candle will have nothing to do with whatever protections might hide this conversation from security. She didn't even claim it did, just, while this candle burns, and while you're not supposed to give in to the temptation to speak to adversaries in beautiful technical truths like that when a simple lie would do, it's still information. Well, see, I don't know how I'd like having a county, and it was pointed out to me that if it had been the will of Asmodeus that I have one, he could have ordered it. And it feels like there's an incoherence in the claim that Asmodeus wants a slave and not one who made a pact with him to serve their own interests, and in claiming that Carissa's own interests point her towards power, but confusions there don't matter very much because there's already no way that the church desires this, and her top priority now isn't parsing out precisely why not. And the throne, as you note, seems to burn one up sooner or later, besides which it feels implausible you'd go to all this trouble to put someone else on it. You're more boring than I'd hoped, Carissa, for someone who made such fascinating inroads into our new pet outsider. I hope you can exchange a more seductive banter than this on those occasions when your new profession calls for it. Come, come, I know you think this a test, but they'll hardly hold it against you if you try not to bore me, so you could survive and report as you ought to if this is not a test. Or you could even try a little honesty with me, if you'd really never raise a hand against the queen, and tell me honestly why not. I'm hardly going to kill Asmodeus's own favored, if I am as I've presented myself. She tries quietly to trigger a ward at the door with a mage hand. Nothing evidently happens. Sure, fine, she'll do the five-year-old thing. She doesn't actually see how to do better, and it's a way to keep talking. They teach different shards of Asmodeanism, I think, to nobles. I haven't learned them. I don't know how the queen justifies herself or if she needs to. Perhaps she acted only directed by the advisors Asmodeus sent her, more loyal and obedient than she cares to have anyone guess. But I know what's going on here. A lot is going on here, and it's very important. More important to Asmodeus, I think, than how mortals... He owns conceive of their loyalty to him, even mortals who are the queen. He intervened here so that our pathetic, inadequate efforts to represent him and our country here might stand a chance of success they otherwise wouldn't. I'm supposed to be here, and if I invent a way to correct the flaws in human nature and make us his worthy servants, then perhaps I'll get some titles out of that, as it pleases the queen— but if I merely learn for Cheliax how the exact same bit of metal is manufactured 3,000 times over to a precision so high they will all interlock, then I will still have wisely spent the resources that Crown and Church have allocated here. 
and I would have to be an idiot to risk any of that to correct some flaw in Chaliacs that is in the slightest less time-sensitive. Also, you know, it would be treason, and treason is wrong. A little laugh, as if sharing a joke. Funny, but what if the queen is not so content to leave you be, as you are to leave her to her unimportant temporal throne? Abrogail Thrun is very nearly the only person in Cheliax who would slay you out of hand, with Asmodeus having made his own interest in you clear. The slaves of church and queen have been instructed not to punish you more than you earn. Abrogail Thrun is not one of those slaves. She is Asmodeus's very junior partner, or so she presumes to see it. If Abrogail slays you to keep Cheliax all for herself and protect her own interests, her pact with Asmodeus prohibits her punishment in hell for that. It does not even contradict the wording of hell's instructions. Are you really sure it serves your own interests, however selflessly Asmodean they may be, for Abrogail or some other non-slave like her to sit on Cheliax's throne? The slaves of church and queen have been instructed also not to be proactive in my education, but to leave it to me to seek. You claim to have seen the transcript, so you must be aware of this, and no slave of church and queen yourself. Which is accusing the stunningly beautiful woman of being the queen, which Carissa did not intend to do at the start of that sentence, but it does seem to be the logical place where it logically went. Not that she believes the words, she merely said them. Abrogail Thrun II, to reign in Cheliax, Yarwain. An appearance changes. My, my, shouldn't you be kneeling then? This, too, might be a test, but might not. It's true that Aspexia Rugatone didn't want people being proactive with Carissa, and that there's very few people who would defy her on that. And once again, there is the infernal difficulty that if it's a test, it is not always obvious what is being tested, and that it being a test doesn't at all mean you can't die of failing it. Should I, Your Majesty? I was taught to kneel if your entourage passed down a street I was walking on, but my school omitted any lessons for how to comport myself. Should you appear in my bedroom? Perhaps in bedrooms one prostrates oneself as for a pharaoh. Hmm. You saw the possibility, but you don't believe it's me. I suppose I should credit you for having thought of it at all. You might be surprised how many people don't. I'm reading your mind right now, of course. Would you slay me if Aspexia Rugatone told you that I'd outlived my usefulness to Lord Asmodeus? The obvious reflexive no would not be useful information to the genuine Queen of Cheliax. The thought process might be, but she'll have to let it play out, and she doesn't actually know its exact contents until it plays out, which... It would be so irritating to mostly have people's minds full of thoughts about whether you're going to kill them. Carissa will strive to avoid that. The other obvious not reassuring answer is that this is not guidance Aspexia Rugaton would give, because Asmodeus doesn't overthrow Phrasma, because even if you wanted the Queen of Cheliax taken out, you would not involve any Third Circle wizards in your plans, they are weak enough to actively be far more of a liability than an aid, because Asmodeus's directions to Carissa are narrow, and Aspexia Rugatone wants to interpret them narrowly, 
Do the obvious things and not other things that cloud Asmodeus's vision with noise and confusion. But it is true that Chelish monarchs get assassinated a lot, presumably with the church's implicit support, so maybe Carissa is the one misunderstanding, believing that Asmodeanism does actually say you shouldn't murder your queen. Some part of Carissa's brain chimes up that she shouldn't murder the queen because the queen is really pretty. Thank you, that part of Carissa's brain, for reminding her that humans are fundamentally contemptible beings. Carissa notes that the only people ever to have been acknowledged as killing a king or queen of Cheliacs is another of House Thrun, presumably because for everyone else Asmodeus's law does apply and does ban regicide, and if you succeed, they still put you to death. They don't make you a deal. That might even be part of the pact, that House Thrun can play among themselves, but needn't fear their entire country made weapons pointed at them, needn't fear the chaos of being Taldor or of the civil wars before Hell rose to power in Cheliacs. There are rules here, and she doesn't know them. Only if you command it, your majesty, she says, and at this point indeed kneels. Not the new playmate I'd hoped for, not the potential inconvenience I thought worth a personal visit. Understand, Sevar, I will not lightly break one of my senior partner's toys. But if I need do so, I will petrify you, ward the statue against detection, and bury your trapped soul deep enough that ages would not expose it again. Perhaps in time Asmodeus will see you in his embrace at last, or perhaps some little inconvenience will end all Phrasma's works before then, for all Otolmins's pains. Ferrer Maillol is a competent administrator, as Asmodian priests go, but he lacks vision. Abrogal's voice is not at all seductive. Now it commands, demands. We are not satisfied with Cheliac's being taught the outsider's secrets of metalworking. We do not expect Lord Asmodeus will be satisfied with it either, not if other countries also come to possess those secrets. We desire that Cheliac's gain advantage from this, Carissa Sever. Why our Lord has instructed that we do not simply keep the outsider for our own, I do not know for certain, but it is not an instruction I intend to defy. This being so, we particularly desire that Cheliacs not be left in an unfortunate position by an outsider propagating a powerful, lawful, neutral philosophy which enables its masters to unravel secrets of the magicless and perhaps the magical world, but which, introduced to Chelish students, inevitably casts them into heresy so that only priests and the soul-sold slaves of Asmodeus can safely be taught it. We do not have enough of those to compete with Osirian and Lastwall if all their wizards and clerics and tinkerers are being taught those new ways. If the outsider teaches widely elsewhere, it will be a trivial matter to steal his teachings, but we must be able to use what we copy. Mylol's previous instructions to you are revoked. His understanding of Asmodeus's will failed. You have no priority higher than learning the core source of power of Keltham's world and transforming it into a form that Asmodian students can learn and remain Asmodians. Better yet, burn and refine their iron to steel, show what their philosophy can become when it embraces power and pain, and wield that to raise a force that could crush Dathilan under our heel. Do that, and I, as Asmodius's designate here, will say that you served him well 
and raise you high within this world. Is it completely ridiculous and contemptible to feel disappointed she lacks the deftness or ambition or whatever to be a new playmate to the Queen of Cheliacs? Yes. Are humans completely ridiculous and contemptible? Also, yes. But she gets an assignment for her project, for the one she, yes, sensed they were going to need in a world that had Keltham in it at all. Yes, your majesty. Abigail tosses a small bag down by where Carissa kneels. Your crafting allowance, Sevar. A little gold, a little spell silver. It will only open to your own hand, left or right, either one. You didn't earn it, but Hell's instructions do not say that I may not reward you a little more than you have earned. As for what that bag does to the hand that opens it, you're allowed to have it healed once it's over. If someday you change your opinions on the importance of mortal thrones and become a worthy playmate after all, do remember how early I started planning for that. Just because I like to play doesn't mean I'll entertain a serious possibility of losing. Abigail leans over to blow out the black candle, and the moment the crimson flame goes out, it appears that she and the candle are gone. Some kind of illusion? The forbiddance is still up, isn't it? The bag remains by Carissa Savar's hand. She stands. Security? She says weakly. I have, uh, the experience of having spent the last ten minutes talking with an intruder who represented herself as the queen. No immediate reply. Then Carissa's going to get dressed, take her agonizing bag of holding, and step out into the hallway. Well, there's nobody in the hallway so far as that goes. Keltham. The first priority when there's any suggestion that security has been compromised. Carissa runs. She's intercepted before she gets far, by somebody who looks like Atanasio Torres. I no longer envy you the attention you get, the person who looks like Atanasio Torres observes. 01948, yes, that was the queen. Need a sleep spell or will you be able to manage on your own? Any illusions show up to detect magic? Not at her caster circle. I don't need a sleep spell, but I need to report first. Is my lol in the temple? Torres didn't think she'd fall for that trap, but trying is a habit he doesn't think much about. Just back from his four-hour meeting in Agorian, Torres says dryly. Carissa wants to come up with some kind of wisecrack about that, but she's having her adrenaline crash now, and she's too tired. Mmm, she says, because she does appreciate the warning, and goes off to the temple to knock on Mayal's door. Hopefully someone else has already told him the news, so she at least won't be breaking it to him. Ferrer Mayol is relieved to see Sivar here so quickly, because it means that Sivar and the Queen are not having sex, which would not have been something he needed in his life. He's tired enough from having to kneel patiently while three Eighth Circle wizards argued about why nobody figured out heritage math, if heritage math was actually that simple and the Queen of Cheliacs read transcripts of Savar's thoughts while having sex, while making interesting and obviously deliberate facial expressions where Mayol could see them. Savar, I confirm that was her infernal magistrix. Thank you. Am I supposed to provide my best recollection of the conversation? Her infernal magistrix has instructed that I am not to proactively inquire into the contents of her conversation with you, but if you seek instruction of your own accord... I am allowed to laugh. Those were her literal words. Well, it seems like you could use a laugh, sir. 
I do not need my life to be any more humorous than it already is, in fact. And you need to get enough sleep to prepare spells today. If your questions aren't going to keep you up, ask later. And if they will, get a sleep spell. Unless it's brief. No, it's just that she's really curious about her evil bag of holding. Good night, sir. Asmodeus upholds you, Sever. He has her new intelligence headband now, in fact but he's not giving it to her until she's slept enough to prepare spells, because wizards are all insane. If wizards are insane, they are in good company with, apparently, the entire rest of the world, including the gods. Carissa has a lot of practice at waking up for a life-or-death fight in the middle of the night and then going right back to sleep. It is in many ways a combat wizard's core skill set, she sleeps immediately and soundly with her evil bag of holding clutched at her side. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash AI. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.